one last time with the Crossroads Music Podcasts uh, here streaming live on twitch.tv slash chasing dragonflies. And with me, my co-host, Eric. How's it going? Pretty good, man. Just uh, enjoying a nice beer, nice stout. Nice. And uh, how about you, buddy? How have you been? Good, good. Nothing, nothing too, too different from the last week. But you know, this is this podcast is uh, we talk about music, nothing but music. Uh, I usually rip on bands a lot during during this thing, so expect more of the usual uh, mm-hmm. for for mm-hmm. the next hour or so. <laughs> yeah, expect. Yeah, this is gonna be fun. This is gonna be a. I feel like I'm gonna leave away a hurt man. But uh, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll just have to see. Um, no, it's just, okay. I, I already have a preconception of what you think of these <laughs> albums already. So, um, and just to just to catch up on chat. Oh uh, yeah, uh, off the top before starting the show, we uh, we start off with "Live to Live." That's a great mm-hmm. song, Eric. It's an OG. Man, OG I, by us. How did that How did that song even come about? I don't even remember like how it started. I like, remember I had a structure, a chord structure, uh-huh. and then I brought it to you guys, and we were jamming it out, and then uh, you changed, like, it just, like, you you had just a way of, like, handling it, right? But we worked so well creating music together, um, but you changed that bridge to the slow part for the solo, like, for the bridge, uh, like, yeah, you, you yeah, we, yeah. we went, like, uh, half speed almost, yeah. I guess, and, and it just, like, just changed the song, right? It yeah. just made it like way better, but uh, yeah, that was that was probably our best. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember now. Yeah, yeah. You had like a, mm-hmm. a you had a chord progression, and then I expand. It was like a four chord progression, and I expanded, expanded it to it, sixteen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember now. Yeah, there was a lot of changes. I remember at the beginning, I, I and I still mess it up sometimes. <laughs> oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes we like hit the wrong note. Yeah, it but it still sounds own. good because I think the notes we're hitting are still in the same key <laughs> of the song. So. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's get into it. So this is part four of our four-part series of the greatest albums of all time. So this week we are wrapping up with Eric's number five to one. We have gone through all of my ten to one, and we've gone through Eric's ten to six. But this is the last last bit. This is the best of the best. This is Eric's greatest is... albums of all time, objectively. <laughs> to my knowledge, again, everybody, <laughs> it's not to the world's perception. It is to my, this these is... are my favorite albums of all time. This is the agreed upon list. So going forward, these are the greatest albums of all time. So of all time. everyone That's take notice. I, I can defend it. Like, yeah, let's have a debate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but before we get into it, Eric, uh, anything anything interesting you've been listening to past week? Um, I got a chance to listen to, uh, finally, I know I have a buddy I work with who's been wanting me to listen to it, uh, uh, Post Malone's uh, tribute concert. It was back in March uh, when everything was kind of shut down, so he kind of did it to raise money for everything that was going on with the whole COVID and, and such, but I got to say, I was actually quite impressed. I, I had very, very low expectations <laughs> watching this, um, but it was kind of neat. It was just, you know, like four guys just hanging out in his house and just jamming to uh, to Nirvana. And I, and I didn't realize how much of a, like, he loves Nirvana, mm-hmm. Post Malone, like a big influence on him. And 
And, you know, he was pitchy at some points, but uh, but overall, like, I think it was awesome. And Travis Barker wailing on the drums, I thought, yeah, you know, like it was it was pretty good for like I was I was just impressed because I didn't expect it at all. Yeah, right? I mean, so I think that's why I thoroughly enjoyed it. That's yeah, yeah. Low expectations. That's a good way to go. <laughs> Uh, but like, yeah, Pitchy, I, I feel like when it comes to Nirvana tributes or Nirvana covers, Pitchy is like, it's forgiven because Kurt Cobain, well, like, yeah. Kurt Cobain's not a great singer. He's not a good singer. He's definitely not a good guitar player. Uh, yeah. But like the thing with, with Kurt Cobain and Nirvana is it's about the emotion behind the voice, right? It's not really the notes he's hitting. It's like the way he is delivering it that makes makes those songs like alive. Yeah, I, I would say that the like yeah, even the the lyric writing, and I've, I'm sure we've gone into this before with Nirvana, but I, I feel like if it came down to technical, uh, like part of the music music side of it, I, I feel like Dave Grohl would be the most, I guess. <laughs> he's not even the most technical you know. person in the world. But but in the band, I'm yeah. saying. Mm. Yeah, Nirvana is like Nirvana is about the emotion. You don't go yeah. in there like expecting master musicianship in that band. It's all about but yeah, the check, emotion. Check it out. Check out the tribute if you haven't seen it. It's actually pretty. It's it's decent to watch. You know, it's only an hour of your life, <laughs> so <laughs> what can go wrong? <laughs> Maybe you'll feel just really like you hate him so much and then you'll just hate me for suggesting it. <laughs> uh, cool. Anything else? Uh, that's about it, man. I've been cranking these five albums. I've been excited for this. So Yeah. So for me, I've been listening to these five albums. Most of them are brand new to me um, in terms of like first listens. Obviously, I like know some of these bands and I know the albums, um, but uh, most of them it's like... I've never gone and listened even to like one song on the album. So it's been a ride this past week listening to these. Um, in terms of just like casual listening, nothing nothing really that interesting. Um, a bit more Japanese stuff again. I don't know. I'm sort of getting into more of the more, I guess, instrumental music again. Uh, so it's just nice. like th- three-piece bands that just do instrumental stuff. Um and just like technical things, but nothing, nothing too interesting outside of that. Okay, so let's get into this. Um, let's switch switch the screens. Uh, so here we go. <laughs> the moment of truth, everybody. Here we go. So with with the countdown, uh, we have gone through ten to six. So sitting at the number five spot for Eric is the album "Uncaged" by the Zac Brown Band. Uh, so just to give a preamble, Zach Brown Band is a country rock band based in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, over their career, they have seven studio albums. Uh, and over those seven studio albums, they have 13 number one hits on Billboard Hot Country. In 2015, Forbes estimated that Zach Brown Band's annual income was $32 million, which is pretty intense. Uh, Uncaged is their third studio album. It was released on July 10th. 2012 and would go on to sell over 1.2 million in the u.s uh, zach brown himself would describe the album as quote your basic country southern rock bluegrass reggae jam record which i feel like is very accurate for this record yes. uh, but eric 
This is at your number five spot. Why is this here? So I started listening to Zach Brown Band. Uh, everybody will know these guys from their famous song Chicken Fried, uh, which, you know, it's it's about kind of like living down south, you know, like going out partying, having home comfort meals. It's a typical like country song, right? Uh, and I, I was just intrigued. I, when I first heard that song, I was like, okay, like it sounds like a country song. And then um, I really started getting into them when this album came out. And then I went back and listened because this is their third album in their, in their discography. Um, so I went back and listened to them ag- again. And I really enjoyed this band after listening to the singles on this, uh, like Goodbye in Her Eyes and Sweet Annie. Uh, I, I just immediately drawn to these songs and, uh, they're probably one of my favorite country bands out there. I'm not really a fan of their newer stuff. Uh, like the last two albums that they dropped were, Oh, like the first one was okay. And then the latest one is meh, not, not really into it. There's a couple songs I like, but, uh, the thing about Zach Brown band, there's a lot of people in this band. (laughs) And there's a lot going on, as you could tell. Yeah. Um, so there's like five-part harmonies in most of the songs, which I really think that they do a really good job utilizing. Uh, I would say most most everybody in the band is singing harmony. Um, and I just thought there were fun songs. Like, uh, like I'm I'm interested to see what you think about this album. But goodbye in her eyes is probably in my opinion, one of the like top 10, maybe best written songs. I think, I think it's really, really well written. And, and it, I, I would say sweet Annie is a good close. Like you could probably argue the two, like they're, they're pretty close in my opinion. Uh, one of my favorite songs on this album is uh, day that I die. I, I just, I, I don't know. I'm just drawn to the lyrics and the story behind, behind that song. And, uh, I don't know. These guys are great live. Uh, great country band. Uh, Julie and I actually got to go see them and uh, at the Molson Amphitheater, actually. That outside. Exist well, oh, really? It's called, <laughs> it's called Budweiser Stage or something. Oh, something God. Stupid. Yeah. Well, I'm calling it the Molson Amphitheater. Uh, and it, for those of you uh, young kids that don't know what that is, you can look it up. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was, they're, they're incredible live. I, I would prefer to see them live than to listen to their albums. Like they're actually unreal live and they actually covered, uh, Metallica song when we went to go see them. And it was actually pretty cool what they did. They were just having fun with it, like a little jam with it. But, uh, but yeah, like, like this song has, has like some reggae feel to it. Like there's, uh, the, the only song I'm not really particular on is overnight it kind of has like a like a a vibe of like a porno kind of thing <laughs> like an old 70s like you know barka, barka, wow, right <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, yeah yeah uh but other than that i i love the structures of their songs like like they take you on an uh, on a journey mm-hmm. through their songs and then some songs are very simple and just like island song it's just a fun kind of like reggae island song with some southern influence like mexico and and the islands but uh but yeah i gotta say like the harmonies kill me in this in this band with this band Mm -hmm. they're just unreal yeah so for so 
for just background, I guess, I've never listened to the Zach Brown band. Like, not even one song. I've never listened to them. So this is my first introduction to them. Like, I know about this band just because they've they've been around in the country scene for so long. So I'm like, yeah, they're they're some sort of country band. That's what I figured. <laughs> and then when I saw this on your on your list at number five, I was like, okay, I'm I'm ready to to listen to some country and then i looked at the cover for this album and like this is not country <laughs> mm-hmm. this is not gonna this doesn't look like a country cover at all this looks like some sort of like monsters of men type <laughs> of like <laughs> brooding dark weird shit that's gonna happen this so that's my first thought was like okay i'm sort of confused as to what i'm i'm gonna listen to so i put on the first track jump right in and it's like What's the best way to describe it? It sort of feels <laughs> like I'm going to start watching The Lion King. It sort of <laughs> sounds a bit like I'm going on an African safari for whatever reason. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is this? I thought I was going to listen to some country music. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of how I felt for the rest of the album. Like, definitely there are country elements on this album. But then you go to, like, Island Song, and I'm like what the f- why is this country band doing reggae <laughs> this is like caribbean like reggae style of like beats and and steel drums and i'm just like mm. i'm very confused by this album but i think the general mandate for this album when they went to write it to me it sounds like they just wanted to make an album that um people want to dance to because I think every single song on this album is some sort of dance to a certain extent, whether it be like a slow waltzy type of dance or a slow dance, or just like, you know, just like a blues grass type of dance song, all these songs you could pretty much dance to. So I can appreciate that sort of approach to uh, writing an album. If you just want to make an album that, that makes people want to dance. Uh, But for me, I was just like, this is sort of, it's sort of weird listening to this and thinking, oh, this is a country band, but they're sort of like all over the map in terms of in terms of genres. Like I can appreciate fusions of stuff within songs, but it was too much of a like a one way here, and then the next song it went some completely different place uh, on mm-hmm. the next on the next uh, on the next track. Um, but overall, I think this album was very good. I think if you listen to each track in in isolation and didn't think it was supposed to be country, uh, I think it sounds really good. Like these guys can really play, uh, and and you said of course the harmonies are are like killer, and and I do agree with that. Mm-hmm. I just can't get over the fact that you know it's it's too it goes like from yeah, left to right way too quickly for me. Yeah. And and I will agree with that. Like you have to listen to the songs for themselves, not as like front to back. Like you could literally take this album and just throw on a song and be fine with it. Like you're not like if you listen to it front and back, it's going to it's going to be very strange. It's not going to blend together. Well, I will agree with that. Yeah. But but you got to admit, like Sweet Annie, that like mm-hmm. I love when they do that. It's kind of like uh, that song, The Weight. Uh, when they go sweet, they do that like three part kind of yeah. kind of thing with other colorful stuff in the middle. Like, oh, it's so good. Yeah. No, they're really good. Like instrument, instrumentation wise and vocal wise, very strong. 
but yeah, African Lion Safari is exactly right. Like when I first listened <laughs> to the album, I was like, this is how the whole album's gonna be. I'm <laughs> this is not gonna go well. <laughs> mm. Um but yeah, it it was a good album. I, I didn't really mind it too much. Um I don't know if I'm gonna continue listening to Zach Brown band though, based on this listen. I thought it was good. But I don't know if I, it didn't draw me in to listen to other stuff. He does a song with um, Chris Cornell in a later album. Uh, I think the album's called Jacqueline Hyde. And uh, and it's it's called Heavy is the Head. And that's a pretty sweet song. Like it sounds like a Chris Cornell song, not, not a Zach Brown band song. Oh, uh, I, I always feel like there's story to this band to, just to give you a little like kind of thing. So Zach Brown, like he loves music and I, and I would say he's very musically inclined in the country world, right? He knows a lot of theory and stuff like that. Uh, and these guys had a, had like a sad start because they had the song chicken fried, like on their first album foundation. And, uh, I guess another band in Nashville took their song and then just started playing it. <laughs> and so Zach Brown was driving around and they came on the radio and he's like, what the hell? Like, this is our song. <laughs> so this band tried to play it off. So then they ended up getting into this battle with Nashville records and oh, wow. uh, they ended up like they were almost shunned from nashville like they were like oh that's like close that's like a death sentence if that happens if you're a country musician and that happens that's a death sentence yeah so then he kind of went solo so he has like an old church in georgia that that's his recording studio it used to be a church but he turned it into a recording studio and it's like massive and there's a there's like a mini like documentary where uh follow up to this album he does an ep uh, i think it's called day of the day or no it's called the girl sessions uh, Dave Grohl comes and produces the album mm. and uh, it was actually kind of neat because like the studio is unreal like it's it's amazing it's like old old this old church made in like 1920 but it's been like refurbished and then like the acoustics are like mint right so like perfect for like stuff like harmonies and stuff like that or or even the song on here natural disaster like kind of like I kind of got like a ship shanty vibe to that song but uh but yeah overall like these guys had a rough start and they they were almost blacklisted for a little bit in nashville (laughs) until they got it sorted out so they were this album once this came out everything was already set set and done Mm -hmm. and then they started making it big and they were like kind of welcome back which is interesting yeah uh shout out to ben and chat thanks for joining us um so yeah i think I'm having trouble rating this one just because I think the songs are very strong, but as an album, I don't think it's a very strong album. That's fair to say. So if if it was purely based on just the individual songs, this is an easy eight, like for me. I'd easily give this an eight if I was just looking at the, the songs themselves. But as an overall album, as an overall package, it just swings like way too much uh, from track to track. So I think it's going to have to be a seven for me on this one. Okay. Wow. That was a lot better than what I thought you were going to give it. I thought you were going to give it. Yeah. It's it's definitely like production wise, instrumentation wise, it's all good. It's all all there. 
uh, and it's very easy listening. You're not gonna, you're not gonna be thrown off by anything in here. Uh, it's just that you know, from track to track, it's hard to listen from front to back in one sitting. Um, mm-hmm. And each of the songs are great. You can dance to them very easily. I think that's how it was designed, or that's how they were written. Um, so, yeah, I I could give it a seven. I think I'm giving it a seven for this one. Nice. Well, that makes me happy, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Any any closing thoughts on on that one before we move to your next spot? I don't know. Like, if you like country or folk, I would say like folk maybe is a good good thing but uh but check out zach brown band uh their later stuff sounds too electronic like you're going to a club uh or as the europeans say discotheque (laughs) (laughs) but uh but yeah check them out check out zach brown band yeah you won't be disappointed yeah i feel like this band explores so many different genres i think Mm -hmm. it's a natural progression to like move towards that yeah actually one closing thought my favorite song from Zach Brown Band is on the Girl Sessions. It's called All Right. It's almost like a church ballad almost, like kind of like a gospel-y, bluesy sound. And it's it is unreal. Like it knocks anything out. Like I wanna I wanna learn it so bad, but playing it by yourself doesn't give it justice because you need like four other people helping you with harmonies. <laughs> so, so. But uh, but yeah, there. That's all I have to say about this. Cool. All right, moving on. Number four spots. This should be exciting. Let's. This is. I feel like we get into a lot of arguments about this band just because. Because <laughs> I'm like pretty stubborn about like not liking this band. But here we go. Uh, number four spot. Eric has uh, chosen Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So, Red Hot Chili Peppers are an American rock band formed in Los Angeles, America in 1983. Uh, over the career, selling over 80 million records worldwide, uh, making them one of the best-selling bands of all time. Blood Sugar Sex Magic is their fifth studio album. It peaked at number three on the U.S. Billboard 200 and would go on to sell over 14.4 million copies worldwide. Um, This is also the album, and because of their newfound stardom, uh, guitarist John Frusciante would eventually quit the band mid-tour in 1992. Uh, many considered this album to be uh, their greatest work. Mm-hmm. So, Eric, this is number four. Why? I, I figured Red Hot Chili Peppers would show up at some point, mm-hmm. uh, but why is this one at number four? So this one, this is like, th- this album has a special place in my heart because it's it's the first album I've ever owned really like i actually like i had two albums which this is gonna make this is gonna make everybody laugh i had blood sugar sex magic and come on over by shania twain (laughs) that's that's a solid choice though i feel like but completely different worlds right (laughs) completely different worlds and uh yes uh, like my guilty pleasure i do love shania twain i think her music is awesome and you know i I have been caught many times singing man i feel like a woman so (laughs) What can I say? She has better songs than that, but okay. No, I know. But uh, anyways, um, this album has a special place in my heart. Uh, This is when I started kind of getting really into kind of funk music. And uh, there's a lot of funky guitar in this. Uh, The lyrics, some of them, I have no idea what they mean. Uh, I know some of them because I've read Scar Tissue, the autobiography by Anthony Kiedis. But... um, but this is 
this is kind of when like John Frusciante is probably one of my favorite guitar players. I find that him and Flea just have this connection and the way that they play off each other is phenomenal, mm-hmm. especially in a live setting. Um, I could have lied is the first guitar solo I've ever learned on a guitar. Right. Wow. And it was, it was like, and it's still my, one of my favorite guitar solos, just the emotion behind it and, and everything. I, I don't know. This album is just so good. And actually it was neat because re-listening to it front and back after listening to Marauding Marauders by Tribe Called Quest, I could, and because I know they were big fans of like hip hop and, yep. and stuff because they have a lot of hip hop elements in their lyrics and st- like just the way that the, the rhythms flow with with how Anthony Kiedis sings and everything. But uh, I, I thought it was kind of neat because you actually saw the influence from Tribe Called Quest from this album, which is kind of neat. I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah. uh, but what can you say? Like, you know, blood sugar sucker fish in my dish. How many pieces do you wish? <laughs> this is my problem with this band. And <laughs> Kitas is, uh, he, it's nonsense, the lyrics that he writes. It's like, hmm. none of these songs have any meaning whatsoever. Like, I think in his mind, they have meaning. <laughs> they totally do. <laughs> in his mind, they have meaning. But like, when you look at the words, it's nonsense. Mm-hmm. There's, <laughs> like it's there's a lot of deep meaning and <laughs> and you you understand the songs like if you go read scar tissue like funky monks um that's kind of a play off of Th- Thelonious monk the jazz musician yeah. mm-hmm. right because flea flea's a trumpeter he's like the only like i would say he's the he's pretty technical in his music and he plays the trumpet he used to be a trumpet player in, in like a school like band yeah <laughs> like an orchestra band and then now he's doing backflips, you know, without a shirt on and just a sock on his crotch. Right? Flea also. I have a problem with Flea as just a bass player. Because, like... <laughs> Why? Oh he's so good. He, he's good at one thing. He is good at slap bass. And that's all he does all day. Which is fine. Because, like, there's bass players that make careers out of that. Like, Bootsy Collins, that's all he does. He just does slap bass. But let, when people tell me that Flea is the greatest player or the greatest bass player on the planet, I just want to, like, strangle them. because I'm like, I wouldn't say he's the greatest, but he's pretty damn good. You have to admit <laughs> that. Like, you have, to go look at, you have to go look at the song Nobody Weird Like Me, which is on Mother's Milk. It came before this album. That's when John Frusciante joined the band. And that bass riff is insane. Yeah. It's totally up your alley, Cal. Yeah. Totally up No, your like, no, Flea is very good at what he does. I just, like, I feel like he does the same thing for, for so long <laughs> in his whole career, which is fine because, like, he's good at it. But that that's but my problem. Such good funk bass, though. Like, yeah. And I, and I feel like this album is very, very bass driven. Yeah. It's very bass driven, but this is kind of when John Frusciante, I felt, started becoming the guitar player he is or yes. was in the later band because you could tell that he's starting to play around with solos, his his lead riffs, right? Uh, he's got some backup vocals on it. Like, like, oh man, you just can't go wrong with this. Song. Like, Under the Bridge, classic song. Yes. Like, uh, and, and then I always liked their Red Hot, which is the last song of the album. Because I remember when we used to play together, 
we would just see how fast we could play. <laughs> Their Red Hot is a cover, though, right? Robert Johnson? Yeah, it is a cover, yeah, Dang. by Robert Johnson. Um, I guess positives on this album. Uh, John Frusciani's, like, guitar work on this is, like, phenomenal. I love his work on this album. There's just, like, it's it sounds signature him. Because, mm-hmm. uh, like, I think earlier stuff by them... Uh, he sort of gets drowned out a bit. It it sounds a bit more um, riffy, I guess. Uh, whereas this album, he's like doing all these like uh, melodic lines, which I think is where his sort of strengths lie. Um, mm-hmm. And interplay that with uh, Flea's bass playing and then Will Ferrell's uh, drumming. <laughs> uh, it just it just comes together uh, on this album. Mm-hmm. That's uh, I know Julia can attest to this, but every time if i'm playing my music and i could have lied comes on i just like just every if we're in mid conversation i stop and crank that guitar solo because i just love that um but to catch up on the uh chat there ben i am drinking a dark espresso stout Damn. so it's a bit of both it's a bit of beer and a bit of coffee <laughs> <laughs> and like and i think one of my more favorite songs by the red hot chili peppers is suck my kiss because i think rhythmically it's like brilliant like you don't hear you don't hear songs like that on the radio yeah and that is one of the lead singles on this album and i just like how it just it sounds weird it's definitely funky but it's not a song that really belongs on radio but it still does because it's just really a really strong song um (laughs) so i i really like that this song on the album but i don't know i found when i've when I listened to this front to back, I found myself skipping a few of the songs as like, eh, this is sort of, this is whatever. There's nothing really there for me to listen to. So I would end mm-hmm. up skipping a decent portion of this album. Whereas like when Under the Bridge would come up, obviously you don't skip a song like that. Uh, and and there's a few others in there where you don't skip, but I don't know. I think this is probably their strongest effort in their whole discography. I don't think mm-hmm. many people would dispute that. I know a lot of people got mad when Stadium Arcadium came out. Which I don't understand I, why. I love that album. I think that album is great. That's probably John at his best in terms of guitar work. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then he leaves the band. And then we I had Josh uh, Kropolopolopoulos, or whatever his <laughs> last name is, uh, play on uh, play on the next album. Which kind of sounded a bit, they were trying to go back to their roots, but like... But this is as funky as Red Hot Chili Peppers gets, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Because then their later kind of goes into a more alternative rocky kind of sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, Stadium Arcadium was the double album. Um, so yeah, uh, in terms of a rating for this album, it, I have, again, it's a mixed opinion for me because I think there's very, very strong parts in this in this album and then things that I can just like completely ignore because I, I don't really care for it. Um, and considering this is one of the biggest bands of all time, uh, and this <laughs> is probably go. their biggest record of all time. Give it a two, a two out of ten. <laughs> I can't give it that low your score. Stubborn, your stubbornness for this band. <laughs> uh, I, I'll give it a seven. I, that's give it that's a probably, seven. Yeah, Thanks. that's the score I'm going to end up with. A seven. I mean, it's. I would never tell anyone to skip this album. If anyone was like getting into sort of that funk rock scene, Red Hot Chili Peppers is the band that you recommend. 
And if you recommend any album by them, this is the album you should recommend. So I would give this a seven. Nice. Nice. All right. Ben gives it 9.5. 9.5. We were talking about that last night. (laughs) This album. (laughs) Eric, is this a, is this a 10 album for you? Or is this like a a sitting at a nine or 9.5? I think it's a nine, nine for me. Okay. So not the perfect, perfect album, but pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty close. Okay. Uh, any closing thoughts on this before we move to your number three spot? Check them out. Uh, if you don't like how crazy they are and you like the newer stuff, you might not like this. Have, like if, you, if you really like Stadium Arcadium, and mm. but you, you might not like this because this is a bit different from... Stadium Arcadium is a bit more poppy, I would say. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. a catchier album than this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many times have you seen the Chili's live? <sighs> I want to see three oh nice i've seen them three once times. i've seen them once live and flea was like freaking high out of his mind oh they well they all are i saw one them once with their new did i see them with their new yeah i did i did see them with their new new guitar player and you it was like old old guitar well josh well yeah because he's not in the band he's anymore out now i know i am so i'm so looking forward to see what kind of magic they make now but it'll but, be good man, john looks haggard he looks so haggard no didn't he shave his head yeah but he looks like like oh you should see a recent picture of him he looks awful but hopefully he can still play the guitar the same (laughs) i'm sure he can uh all right cool so that was your number four spot let's move on now we're getting up yeah here we go okay so this is this is uh your number three spot surprised me uh as to why this is here uh, not not from like me listening to it, but just initially when he gave me the list, I was like, "Oh, this is pretty high." I'm I'm pretty surprised. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> but here we go. Oh yeah, number three, A B by Kaleo. So, Kaleo is an Icelandic rock band formed in 2012, uh, commonly lumped into the indie and alt rock genre. They also incorporate elements of folk and blues rock into their music. AB is their second studio album and was released on June 10th, 2016, uh, and it would go on to sell over 1 million copies worldwide. So Eric, this is not, for the most part, this is not a well-known band. Obviously, they've sold uh, at least a million copies on this, so they have a decent following, Mm -hmm. but... um, not a super like worldwide phenomenon. So why is this at number three for you? So I didn't hear about this band until late 2016. And uh, they had their, their single on the radio for a while, uh, way down we go. And I heard it and I was like, this is kind of a unique song. Like, and then I would, it would come on the radio a few more times. I'm like, who is this? So I looked them up and I'm like, Kaleo, I've never heard of them. And it was just one of those things where I looked them up and, uh, I, wait, no, sorry. The album hadn't come out yet, but so, so it was around the summer. So I looked them up and they had, uh, three singles out at the time. They had, uh, way down we go. And then no good, uh, which I listened to that and I'm like, oh wow, that's like, that's completely different from, which is their first song on the album. Uh, this is completely different from what they sound like. So it was one of those things where I heard those two songs. I'm like, I like them enough that I'm going to buy the album. So I pre-ordered it right on iTunes. And uh, then the album came out 
I listened to it front and back and I listened to this album so many times, <laughs> like so many times, Kim. <laughs> I would not shut this off. I'm like, who are these guys? These guys are insane. Uh, JJ uh, is the singer because his name is Icelandic and nobody can pronounce it. So every, he just says, call me JJ. <laughs> uh, so his voice and vocals are unreal. So a lot of people think when I say this band, Kaleo, oh, where are they from? They're from Iceland. They think of, uh, what's, whatchamacallit, Bjork. Right? They think, <laughs> yes. oh, Bjork. Yeah, Bjork, like, yeah. I'm not listening That's to a Bjork one, album. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, this is not Bjork. This is the this is like an ultimate rock blues album. Like these guys, like the structure of their work is insane. Uh, and just going back on the chat, yes, Julie and I got to see them live at the PNE, which is like the Vancouver version of the CNE, and it, uh, which is kind of neat because it was a small venue. Uh, the opener band was was absolute garbage. <laughs> it was garbage. <laughs> But these guys are unreal live. Like, they're just as good live, probably better. Oh. So, yeah, these guys are insane. Uh, and just to check, uh, is the band pronounced Kaleo? Because Taylor... Yes. Okay. Yes. Kaleo okay. Uh, is actually a, high, a Hawaiian word uh, <laughs> for the sound. They're Icelandic. What are they doing taking Hawaiian... <laughs> names i don't know i guess they could do whatever they want um but this out like i don't know to me front and back this album is perfect uh his falsetta uh, is pretty insane um i really like the uh number eight track i don't know how to pronounce it properly for e vagliskogi and it's it's about iceland the song is actually about the island of iceland which is kind of neat uh, just the way he like that, that song is pretty well written in my opinion. Uh, save yourself is probably my favorite song on the album, uh, being close with broken bones. Cause that just reminds me of an old, like Robert Johnson kind of feel to like a blues, but a bit heavier. Yeah. If you will. Okay. So Eric, I have a story to tell you. <laughs> we have, I have a story. This is story time. So, this album and this band has the unfortunate, um, what's the word? Unfortunate circumstance of me hearing their songs before even knowing about this band or listening to this album, like years before. So you've been talking about Kaleo on this podcast, like probably every week since we started. Okay? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I've never listened to this band ever. Um, oh, just a pause. That, sorry. Donkey Balls, how's it going? uh welcome welcome to the stream uh i know you're here most of the time on taylor's streams but you know today is. i didn't the... know james bond had donkey balls <laughs> i'm assuming just because of the 007 you're james bond james um but yeah welcome we just talk about music here so come chill if you want um but yeah so every week when you brought up kaleo i was like oh okay that's a band i should probably check out i've never heard of this band before unbeknownst to me I actually know I've heard these songs before. I just never realized it was this band. So uh, apparently this band has licensed their songs out a bunch to like different video games. So like um, uh, MLB, NHL, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I think two years ago, maybe three years ago, NHL 2018, I played like hours of that thing. 
And the problem is, the soundtrack on that game has like four songs. And uh, Hot Blood is one of those songs. So I would spend hours on like the, the menu screen, like customizing my team, whatever. And I just had to, I was forced to listen to the song <laughs> over and over again to the point where I actually had to turn off the music because like this is freaking terrible. I can't listen to this for like four hours straight. It was killing me. So I was listening to this album. I was like, oh, this band sounds like super familiar. And then Hot Blood came on. I was like, fuck this band. Skip. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the unfortunate part about this is because I'm so annoyed by that song that I could not enjoy the rest of this thing. See, I could understand that. I can definitely understand that because one game that I play predominantly a sports game is FIFA and they have those set tracks that they just play over and over and over again. And then it just gets to a point where you're like, yeah, okay, I could dig it. And then maybe there's two songs out of like the 12 that they play that you actually like. And then you just hate that as well because then you're just listening to them over and over so i can i can understand that yeah like the problem is like on nhl 18 there's literally four songs (laughs) it's not even like like in an hour you're gonna listen to the same song at least five times Mm. it's so annoying (laughs) (laughs) um but uh positives on this album uh the icelandic song is like really good I wish this whole album was in Icelandic. That'd be mm-hmm. I think that'd be the sickest thing in the world. Obviously they wouldn't make any money if they did that. But um if they did a whole album in Icelandic, I would definitely listen to that. I'd definitely just that go opening like Oh, it's just so yeah. and then him whistling at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I like it when like songs are in different languages too. Like that mm-hmm. I think it adds an extra element to the song. Mm-hmm. That you know we're we're used to listening to everything in english so we've sort of heard a lot of the the common repetitive stuff but once it gets to a different language tonally it changes rhythmically the the vocals change I just have a natural change to it so it's nice to listen to stuff like that um have you ever watched the the eurovision uh comedy movie with will ferrell in it no. oh my lord so it <laughs> that movie is is a will ferrell comedy but uh, Will Ferrell plays uh, an Icelander, <laughs> so he's 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 trying. He's in an Icelandic band, and he's trying to uh, win Eurovision. So like all the songs are in Icelandic, and it's just the funniest shit. And so oh, every I time I think of them. like an Iceland uh, rock band, I think about that movie. <laughs> it's not a good movie, as as Chat is saying. It's not a good movie, but. Mm. Uh, Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams, who are the the two leads in that movie, just they're just funny on screen together. So <laughs> it's just worth watching. It out. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I'll have to check that out. Um, but yeah, I I think this if you're if you're looking for a blues rock band or so like like a garage rock band type of sound, mm-hmm. uh, this is a very strong album. Like it mm-hmm. sounds really good. It sounds like a the the guitars are full and um you know the arrangements are great on this on this album um so if you're into that stuff this is this is definitely worth checking out 
what what I think is cool about this album is because this is their very first debut album, and when we went to go see them live, um, they had they played three or four songs that weren't on this album at all, and I was like, wow, these songs are way better than anything on this album, so I can't wait to see what comes next. And they have four singles out right now on Surface Sounds, which will be their next album, and it was supposed to come out in June, but stupid goddamn COVID <laughs> pushed it to December 31st, so hopefully... That is a set time that the album will come out, and it won't be just like, oh, it's coming out in 2021, June. Then I will think I will like lose it. Hopefully, um, it's good. Might... But, uh, but yeah, the four songs on there are better than this album. So I, I am definitely pumped for Surface Sounds because with a band that's already good from this album, I think that they haven't hit their prime yet i feel like they're gonna mm. they're gonna have a, a an album in the future that's really gonna be like pivotal to rock music i would say or to like the new age of rock i guess you could say a uh, quick request from chat ben's asking uh to comment on what you guys watched last night oh yes i uh, already mentioned that ben at the beginning i said uh, we watched the uh nirvana uh, tribute by yeah. post malone so I cool. was already covered, but you're too late to the chat. <laughs> so, um, okay. So for AB, it's definitely not better than Blood uh, Sugar Sex Magic for sure. So I'm gonna give it. I'm giving this album a six point five. Six point five. Oh, personally, <laughs> breaking my heart. <laughs> personally, I want to give it lower because I'm just annoyed. Oh, by, by hot blooded. But, but yeah. I get band. that, but I, but I, I'll give it a six point five because I think it's just below uh, <laughs> the chilies. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but uh, like even even with a six point five, I would still recommend this album for for people to listen to. I it's not an album you should sleep on. Definitely go listen to it, especially if you're into that uh, garage rock band sound. Uh, I think, I think it's very. It just sounds very good. It's like well produced and everything. It's got that full sound. So, mm. yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic was way better. Uh, <laughs> I think they're different. I think they they sit in different realms. Um, one's a bit more funk. You you go into you gain different stuff from these uh from these albums one is a bit more funkier this one is more of a garage band uh you, you get stuff different stuff from these guys one thing i think you should check out chem and everybody else listening if you're still having uh second thoughts on this band go check this is the song that made them famous which is a cover by uh nancy sinatra um uh bang bang it was from the uh it, it was big in the kill bill movies you know, bang, bang, you shot me down, bang, bang. Oh, uh, yes, I know. I hit the... yeah, yeah. So they do a cover of that song, and it's unreal. You have to, like, mm. it's it's so good. You got to check that out. So bang, bang, that's what put them on the map. Uh, but yeah, 6.5 for me. Uh, yeah, ignoring yeah. the hot blood experience. <laughs> <laughs> hot blood love is going to get you. Honestly, if they released a whole album in Icelandic... I'd be an instant fan. It'd be great. Uh, that's fair. That is fair. 
Uh, okay, cool. So that is your number three spot. So uh, moving on. Eric, here we go. We're getting down to the last two. I know. This, this is where the stakes get high now. Um, okay, here we... I mean, this was sort of inevitable <laughs> at this point because like, this band hasn't shown up on your list yet, so it had to show up somewhere. Um, <laughs> so here we go. Number two, Day for Night, the Tragically Hit, released 1994. <laughs> uh, so the Tragically Hip were a Canadian rock band from Kingston, Ontario, formed in 1984. The Hip would go on to release 13 studio albums over a 33-year career and become the fourth best-selling Canadian artist overall in Canada. Day for Night is their fourth studio album and was released on September 24th, 1994. It would go on to sell 600,000 copies in Canada alone. So Eric, this is your number two spot. So why is this at your number two one? And why <laughs> is um, why is this the Tragically Hip album that you picked out of their whole discography? As everybody knows, I'm a huge, huge Tragically Hip fan. I love everything that they do. Uh, Gordon Downey, I love his music. Like I love his lyrics. His, you know, there's a deeper meaning behind it, and I just love how Canadian they are. Like patriotic to Canada, they are, and and they want everybody to come together as a nation, and and you know just live, you know, without any problems, with all without the bullshit. But, um, I I don't know. I I feel like this album is my favorite because I own every single tragically hip album and like i've bought in every single one except for their actual last one uh which i just downloaded off the the thing because i didn't think it was that good but uh but this this i felt was kind of a cool it was a darker feel to the rest of their music um fully completely was more of like the you know marketed very towards the public and more of like kind of a poppier feel. But th this one, I feel like they were actually able to kind of take reins and, and make the album them themselves. Uh, that, that opener grace too, that is probably one of my favorite tragically hip songs. Like in fact, like there's, there's not really that many tragically hip songs. I don't like there's, there's few, but, uh, this song front to cover is amazing. Um, one of my favorite kind of acoustic songs, Scared. Uh, it's kind of a cool feel. It's kind of almost like uh, it's telling a story about like fascism kind of kind of thing, like a world if, if we had fascism today. Uh, Nautical Disaster, uh, great tune. It's about a shipwreck, and it's at, it's at the perspective of a uh, survivor of the ship going down. And so just even the line... Um, and those fingernails scratching on my hall, like, like when he has like in the song, like he has this phone call conversation with somebody, and he and he always remembers like he just can't get that the fingernails scratching on, like it just puts a picture in your head of like, you know, they tell a story, and it's not just about like love, it's actually about like things that happened or or like the what what's going on in the Canadian political government at the time, so. Um, you know, I just, this album is amazing. I love it front and cover. Obviously, like, I love the Bob Cajun. Like, again, I love the Tragically Hip, but this is probably my favorite album by them. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gord, sure. Gord Downey just has a way with words. Uh, like, obviously, he's a great front man uh, in, the, in the live setting. Uh, but his songwriting abilities, especially his lyric writing abilities, is just like on another level. Uh, because it's a lot. Yeah, it's like painting a picture, right? Like, it's not just... Um, it's the way he rearranges the words and puts them in a certain order and just allows the listener to really visualize like what he's trying to, what he's trying to say or the message that he's trying to convey. So I think that's like the strongest part of this album. Um, mm-hmm. I guess that's for any tragically hip release really. Cause like uh, the, those are usually the strongest points uh, for, for all of their releases, but I will always go back to the, uh, my default argument about this band is that like instrumental wise, I feel like you could just copy and paste anyone and just like, like put a different musician in there and wouldn't make a difference. You could just like take a random ass guitar player, bass player, drummer, um, <laughs> and just insert them into this band and it would sound exactly the same. Like, really? I don't I don't feel like it would have the same feel because these guys have been friends since like high school. <laughs> I think you could just pick up anyone from Nashville and it would either be the same or it would be like even better. I, 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 I disagree with that. <laughs> I disagree with that because I feel that this band like they've they've grew up together right in Kingston, Ontario, like they've done a lot of stuff together, right? Like mm-hmm. these guys are like, have been friends since the, the bitter end. Like they've really haven't had any quarrels or anything. Right. So I feel like the dynamics of the band would be off and I feel like you'd be able to notice that. I just don't feel it. I feel like this is Gord Downey <laughs> with, with backing band. Like <laughs> this is the Gord Downey experience. And here's like, I don't know. The <laughs> the good <laughs> It's like Gore yeah, Gore Downey and the Tragically Hip. That's what this band should be named. Gore Downey and the Tragically Hip. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. I just don't feel like these guys uh definitely are solid musicians, obviously. They've done it for so long, they've made a career out of it. But I don't feel anything special about like the guitar playing, the drumming, the bass playing. Mm. Interesting. I don't know how to change your mind on that. <laughs> you know, the like, saving grace about this band is Gord Downey. That's that's sort of my my bottom line. Like you mm-hmm. can't really argue against his uh, songwriting abilities uh, and um, his lyric writing abilities. And obviously, the rest of the band had a part in re- helping write these songs. Also, I think a big the biggest driving force in this band is is that man and. Mm-hmm. I just and don't. you can, you can tell live too, right? Like, yeah. like, like they're having all, they're all having fun on stage, but the person that's like, everybody's looking at is Gord Downey, right? Mm-hmm. And the band's just mostly standing there playing. So yes. I, I guess if, yeah, I guess you could say that, but I, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm, I've invested so much of my life with this band that I feel like it's like, no, they're a family and they're, they've stuck together and it won't be the tragically hip without <laughs> Rob Baker or George Sinclair, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. But I will have to admit, the only downside to this album is the uh, the backing vocals of uh, oh Paul Langlois. Yes. <laughs> Paul Langlois has a terrible back of vocals. 
I don't know why they decided. Like they should just mm. got Gord to do the backing. Vo- it's a studio album. Just, I know. Like live, fine. You can't do it, but like on a studio album, just get your freaking singer to do the backing vocals. Yeah. When I heard that, I was like, "This is terrible." <laughs> well, the funny thing is, you could really notice it. I find in the song Three Pistols," which is on Road Apples. Uh, but uh, there is three, or no, is it three pistols? That, or no, it, it's it's another song. Uh, it's it's on their. Oh, shoot, I'm getting them up to here, up to here. Uh, I can't remember the song, but he goes the barrel was loaded. <laughs> the barrel was loaded. That's like, like that's literally the backup vocals. <laughs> uh, she didn't know. She didn't know. That's oh, what that's the song's great. called on up to here. So my uh-huh. mistake, but. Um, yeah, this album's great. I, I find that Gord Downey really like his vocals really blended well with the kind of ominous sound of the songs too in this album. So that's why I think this is probably one of their strongest yeah. in terms of, you know, like, you know. Yeah. Look, if this is the hill I have to die on and I have to return my passport, I'm okay with that. Like honestly, <laughs> I just Kem's the, getting deported. <laughs> the tragically hip <laughs> Definitely have a place in uh, like the Canadian music scene in terms of history and reverence, but I just feel like the band as a whole, nothing special. Outside of Gord, obviously, the band itself, I, there's nothing there for me. There's no, like there's no reason for me to listen to this. Um, <laughs> but uh, the album's good, I'd say. Uh, if I were to give it a rating, uh, it sits at a, another 6.5 for me. I don't think it's it's an above average album because uh, I think the band is above average. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to round that 6.5 up to a 7. So in my mind, you're a hip fan and you love the hip. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like it's an above average band with an incredible uh, lyricist and front man. Uh, so I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a 6.5. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. My friend, <laughs> I uh, knew it. I knew as soon as like whatever album I put on here, it was going to be. <laughs> um, and yeah, of course the, they have an emotional connection with the, the people of Canada because they mm-hmm. sing about local stuff and local issues, um, which I could appreciate, but for me, the band is I want more from the band mm. that's what I'm looking for anyways Eric I, that was the last episode of of this podcast because we're not we're no longer friends <laughs> yeah we're no longer friends <laughs> I'm just kidding <laughs> uh, I don't know yeah I, I always try to tread water uh carefully when I'm talking about the tragically hip because I'm I don't think I'll ever be a fan of them mm. I'm pretty sure that's fair that's fair there are people out there that don't like the tragically hip but yeah. I yeah, just their, think their like, songs are fun. I, I think that like I can find something like something better somewhere else. I don't need to to listen to this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, buddy. All good. I already knew your your thoughts of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so let let's get out of this this place where I I start shitting on like nationally <laughs> revered bands 
Um, all right, number one spot. Here we go, Eric. So I this... would like to do an intro for this one. Okay, sure, do it. This this album is the best album of all time, in my opinion. Um, it is not uh, like your typical album. It's a live album. So uh, it was. I was struggling whether or not to put it on the list, just because it's a lot of like you know a collaboration of songs. Uh, but this is probably one of like the my favorite guitar player. Cam and I have seen this guy live. He is unreal, and I think that the songs that he's done in this album are the best versions of the songs. So take it away, Cam. Wow, that's a big statement. Uh, okay, at number one spot, Eric has puts. Unplugged by Eric Clapton, released in 1992. So, Eric Clapton, born on March 30th, 1945. He's an English blues guitarist and singer. He's often referred to as one of the most important and influential guitarists of all time. Unplugged was recorded on January 16th, 1992 at Bray Studios in England in front of a live audience for uh, the then MTV's show Unplugged uh, television series. It would be eventually released in the same year on August 25th, 1992. It is currently the best-selling live album of all time and Clapton's best-selling album. It has sold 26 million copies worldwide. Fun fact, the last track, Rolling and Tumbling, which is a Muddy uh, Muddy Waters cover, uh, was not planned beforehand. Clapton decided just to start playing the song without telling uh any of the other musicians, uh, the band did. would catch up in a split second, but it does explain uh, why there's such an abrupt start. It, I think it starts on like the second line of the song or something like that. But he decided yeah, just to start playing it, and then the band was like, "Oh shit, he's playing this song." <laughs> we didn't, we didn't practice this one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, unplugged by Eric Clapton. Um, Eric, this is your this is your number one choice. Why is this here? So. Eric Clapton is one of the reasons why I started playing guitar. And uh, what I love about this album is, and I know it's not from what you see in the album picture, but uh, for the most part, he's actually playing a classical guitar in this album. And and you can tell from the the nylon strings. But uh, for the most part, most of these songs are covers by blues influences that Clapton has. uh, I'd probably say maybe half the album is stuff that he's actually written um, with various other artists. Like he's got Layla, Derek, Derek and the Dominoes cover. I love the slow version. I think it's amazing. Uh, even the guitar solo there. Uh, hey, hey, the, the that I remember trying to learn that song on the guitar and, and like I forgot how to play it. I used to be able to play it, but it was just it's just unreal. Like and the top notch like backing band that he has with him is just phenomenal. Like the keyboard player, like, like right down to the other, like, you know, the rhythmic guitar, the drummer, like just everything about this album is just blues. And it's just structurally like the, the band is just so tight, right? Like, uh, my favorite song, my favorite song on this album is old love, which is, uh, he written, uh, or he written with uh, Robert Cray, I believe. Yep, Robert Cray. Um, Cray, sorry. Yeah, Robert Cray, who is also another blues musician. Uh, but he does that rendition. Uh, and there's just like 
guitar solo and then piano solo, right? Like, like this, this is the ultimate jamming band. Like any band that loves to just jam out should love this album. They should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a live album, which it has, it, it has that element to it, right? Like it, you definitely know it's a live rendition and it, it makes the songs really like bounce out which is really nice. Uh, I really like this album overall. And yeah, I agree. The musicians on this album are just like top notch. Uh, fun fact, uh, Eric Clapton's like, mm, I guess, uh, more used bass player, his more regular bass player, Nathan East. Uh, he has a signature bass, uh, which Yamaha produces. And my main bass is actually uh, the same bass that his signature bass is based on. I actually bought it because probably because of Nathan East. <laughs> like my very first bass I bought because like Nathan East had a signature version. I was like, oh, his signature version is based on this one. So I'll get this bass. So nice. A bit of an interesting connection there. But <clears throat> that's awesome. Yeah. No, this this album is great. Like these guys, I like Tears in Heaven. This is where I think it was first released on this on this record, or it could have mm-hmm. been released as a single before and then. But this is technically the first like official release of that song, and that's like, I'm surprised he does that live. Mm-hmm. That's such a like heavy song it, to be performing. Just because of the backstory, and the, for those who don't know, um, probably if you if you like reading biographies of musicians. Uh, read Eric Clapton's. It's it's actually pretty good. Uh, they've um, so Tears in Heaven is about his son. So unfortunately, his son died. He fell off the balcony, and it was kind of when he was like, I think he was battling his drug addiction yep. at the time, and then he just went right into drugs like hardcore after that because it was just so hard, like heartbreaking. And then in rehab, I believe he wrote the song, and then he came out with it. So when this song came out, I. I feel like this is the best rendition of tears in heaven that you're going to get and if uh, obviously eric clapton's really old i don't know if he's ever going to tour again um but uh he's he doesn't play it he hasn't played it he never played it when we went to see him he hasn't played it before when i went to go see him um so there was a time where he just couldn't play it anymore because it was just too emotionally heartbreaking for him because it reminded him so much of his son right and it's it's a sad song, right? And I feel like you really feel the emotion in this version, especially. Yeah, and it's just like a monster of a song. Like it's such, it's one of the perfect songs that's that's out there. And I, it's probably I don't know Clapton's best song, which is strange yeah. to say because Tears in Heaven doesn't have like a heavy like technical guitar part on it. It's more just the emotion behind it, which is like not typically what you associate Clapton with, but mm-hmm. this this one is just magic. Well, even Layla too, like, mm. like it's it's kind of neat because when the original song, everybody knows that riff, right? Yeah. And the song's written about George Harrison's wife, right? Like he wanted George Harrison's wife. He told her at a party, like, hey, look, I really love you. I know you're married to George Harrison, but I wrote this song, Layla, and it's about you, right? And uh, But but I just love the way he is. he's able to just change the whole feel of the song, right? Yeah. Like, 
he just slows it right down and and that just that guitar solo is insane or even old love like old love is probably one of my favorite clapton songs in my opinion uh and just the emotion behind the song too like like you know like he's it's it's like it's a song about getting over a girl right like the girl's gone like she she left you and and it's just you know why can't i get over right like like the lyrics and you really feel it in this version of the song i just feel like you like you know the emotions of the songs or or then you got fun songs though too like it's not just a depressing album don't get that opinion but like san francisco blues and then there's a kazoo solo right (laughs) yeah so my lights just went out so gg it's dead um but yeah um i think my favorite my favorite song on this album is alberta i don't know i just love like the chorus in that thing it's always in my head in the back of my head and uh i don't know that's just my favorite track on the album but layla obviously because like it's a complete rearrangement of that song and uh, i love when he starts it he's like see if you can spot this one and like dares the audience to like try to figure out what (laughs) he's playing that's just such a baller move well even going back to alberta like i love i love how like it just shows how human he is too like like when he goes da 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 oh wait wait hang on a second i fucked up Let's try that right. again. I completely forgot about that. He fucks it up on yeah. the recording and he yeah. has to start it over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this record for me. Oh, we're way over time. Okay. This this one, rating wise, Eric, would you kill me if I gave this a seven? I would probably murder you, yes. <laughs> um, no, I'm definitely not giving this a low scare. This, this I, from... didn't, I don't think you would. I don't think you would. Imagine a one. You're getting a one, Eric Clapton. Yeah, it's a one. It's a shit album. I was just joking this whole time. <laughs> um, no, for me, this is a 10. This is an easy 10. Like, I don't, it can't be anything lower than that. There's no way. This is a perfect album. Considering this is also a live album, this is like, this is probably the best live album that exists. Um, I can't really think of anything that's better. Maybe Nirvana's MTV Unplugged, which is also in the same series. Which is also pretty damn good too, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, final thoughts on this album for me. Uh, sorry for cutting you off there. Um, is I remember in English class in grade 12, we had this idiot of an English teacher and he said, uh, I want everybody to pick an album that they would, you know, like really think about it. Didn't even have to think. This is the album I would take with me on a desert island and I'd, I'd be stuck there. And this is the only album I could listen to. This is definitely 100% this album. <laughs> this is a very good desert island album. Mm-hmm. This is a very solid choice. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right, Eric. That is that is your list. 10 to 10 to 1. There you go. It's all up on the screen. Uh, so number 10, just to recap, Veni, Vidi, Vicious, The Hives. Number nine, A Rush of Blood to the Head, Coldplay. Number eight, The Road to Here, Little Big Town. Number seven, Texas Flood, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Number six, Riding with the King, B.B. King and Eric Clapton. Number five, Uncaged, Zach Brown Band. Number four, Blood, Sugar, Sex, Magic, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Number three, A.B. Kaleo. Number two, Day for Night, Tragically Hip. And number one, Unplugged by Eric Clapton. I, uh, I, I'm losing a little bit of respect for donkey balls. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. 
<laughs> Astro Lounge by Smash Mouth. What's wrong with All Star? That's a great song. All Star? Are you serious? No. Are you kidding me? That's a freaking garbage song. It's like, it's it's written brilliantly because it's so catchy and everyone recognizes it and it gets stuck in people's heads. But man. I just think of the Jolly Green Giant there, Shrek there. <laughs> you know, true. just jumping around. <laughs> Um. All right. Cool. Uh. So that's that's your list. That's a pretty solid list, Eric. Ten to yeah. one. It was tough. It was really tough making this list. And you know what? If we had to make this again, it would probably be different. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, that basically concludes our our four week epic journey here. We went from ten to one for both my list and Eric's list. Thanks for everyone for for joining in and listening to us. Uh talk about our favorite albums uh and uh us trashing each other's lists <laughs> <laughs> maybe next year we can do something like a top 10 like songs or yeah top 10 something like i, I feel like we should we should continue with this yeah this is yeah. kind of thing. we should update it next year <laughs> yeah update update our top 10 <laughs> has it changed has it not yeah uh, all right, cool. So uh, just some housekeeping before we, we wrap things up. Um, so we are, the next podcast will be next Thursday. So not this coming Thursday, but next Thursday. Uh, we will be doing our last podcast for the year. Uh, so we decided to do a bit of a uh, Christmas special. So we'll be talking uh, all things Christmas related to music. Uh, so that should be that pretty... might be a depressing and negative episode for us, but <laughs> we'll see. I feel like we're we're gonna talk about two albums in specific. Uh, one pretty good, one that is uh, questionable. <laughs> but <laughs> but tune in next Thursday, uh, same place, twitch.tv slash chasing dragonflies, uh, same time, 10 p.m. EST, 7 p.m. PST. Uh, we'll be here to to talk about some Christmas stuff. And um, on this channel also, Taylor will be back tomorrow singing your songs, taking requests, um, 8 p.m. EST. Uh, convert that to whatever time zone you're, you are, uh, but she's usually here on Sundays and Tuesdays. So, um, yeah, that's about that's about it for us. Um, Eric, any, any closing thoughts? Anything we need to catch up on, on chat? I know it's going crazy right now. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah. Uh bunch of stuff uh probably about they're probably all making fun of me <laughs> <laughs> talking about smash mouth and their smash all-star mouth. song um yeah thanks for coming out guys i guess thanks for the hackling yeah. you know it's been fun <laughs> <laughs> all right cool thanks everyone for uh tuning in and uh we will catch you all next time don't you live a life where you're not in control What will kill you will make you old The past is past and now it's time to see what the future holds So just go out